Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hi, it's Martin here, Electronically Yours, once again. Today's guest is someone that I've respected and known about since the 80s, really. He's one of those producer names that was um, uh, in the kind of gene pool of electronic uh, dance production and pop production, together with a few others, like myself. Um, his name is Zeus B. Held, which surely is one of the coolest names ever made. He emerged from the Krautrock kind of disco, new wave genre. He used to be in a kind of Krautrock band called Birth Control for years, and then he decided to move to London, and that's when his production career really took off. He worked with all sorts of people, from uh, people like Gina X Performance, Dead or Alive, John Fox, Fashion, Men Without Hats, all sorts of people, and... Um, very successful too. This is a very funny and interesting uh, interview. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, Zeus be held. Um, so I've just been listening to um, your last album actually. Um, I think it's your last album. What's your last album called? My last solo album, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. That's called The Logic of Coincidence. Oh, right. Oh, so I've, been, I've been listening to Attack Time. Oh, uh, yeah, Attack Time. There was a re-release. That is an album I did actually in 1980, 81. Oh, right. And this was one of the albums. I did it to fulfill a contract, and I forgot about it. And I was beginning of last year contacted by this wonderful little label in Hamburg called Bureau B. And they said, we really like, we want to re-release. And that's what they did, yeah. yeah. Well, I, it's really interesting because it just says on Spotify, it says 2023. So I yeah. thought... This is a really accurate reconstruction <laughs> of, um, and I was really impressed. I thought this is like that kind of kraut rock kind of reconstruction, yeah. slightly loose. I really like it actually. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. No, I tell you, I remember this. I did that in my last year in Cologne when I was in a strange mood on my own, always twenty-four hours in the studio, yeah, and and learning the studio, you know. 24 right. track. I did really loops with Revox and all that. Yeah, yeah um, we all did that. It was, pre, it was pre MIDI. Yeah, because MIDI was the next big sensation, obviously. And uh, yeah, it was that. I did that. That was also, uh, it looked a bit, I wasn't sure what's going to happen. Tina X thing, anyway. I was like, not sure. So I was thinking, yeah. And uh, and this album I did more like as a self therapy, I reckon. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's why. Then I haven't listened to it for like 35 years. And th that's when I got contact. It's fine. Great. I think you should it's be fine. very proud of it. I mean, it's, um, yeah. I like the cover of Drive My Car. That's very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Everything, you, everything you do seems to have some kind of degree of wit. That's the word I'd use. Yes. You're quite a witty I, person. Yeah. And uh, I, I like that. It's it very much um, playfulness is a good way to engage with people. Yeah. You know, so, sorry, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I just, the last thing I did was with a German Krautrock legend called Guru Guru. And I was, I joined them sort of in, at the end of the Corona breakdown time. Yeah. And they, they were in need of, of, of an additional musician. And, uh, 
actually they wanted the guitar player, so but I joined and changed the music a bit and I did with them an album. And we have one track where the Arthur Brown is singing on it, yeah? Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that track I really like and um because I wrote the lyrics and the music and I went to went to, to Arthur, I said, Arthur, change anything you want. He said, This is damn good. We just take it and then in one afternoon we did it and I'm, I, I like it, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I didn't know so God, Arthur Brown must be old. He, yes, he is just sort of on the other side of eighty, yeah. Right, right. But right. He's he's a very energetic kind of guy, and he can he can right. do this thing, and that's why I I I wanted to write something which challenges the voice. Yeah, that worked. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, so, he took it. He took it. Yeah. Let's talk about you growing up. I I like to cover this at some point. Yeah. So where did you grow up? I grew up actually in this town where I now came back to, which is called Freiburg. Freiburg, I know Freiburg. Yeah. Freiburg is a kind of, you know, it's a, a nice university town. Yeah, I think the similar size like Oxford, whatever. And with the kind of advantage, it's like in the so-called three corner, uh, three country corner. We have Switzerland, we have France, we have Freiburg. Yeah. And that's why there is a bit of a, you know, it's regional, but it's international. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. yeah. I like that. It's it's very famous for the as I said for the university, which is the number two after Heidelberg, and it's got a kind of you know long history of of the music academy, blah blah blah, yeah. And apart from that, you could say it's definitely not a rock and roll place or something. <laughs> <laughs> so the moment I did my A levels, yeah, I hit the road and I joined a French band and I was one year on on tour in France yeah, and that was my sort of first education. Yeah. Right. When did you? Sorry. When did you? What did you study at the university? Music. I studied musicology. Yeah, Musikwissenschaft and law. Okay. Just, yeah, that combination seems weird, but I even then had a bit of an idea. You, you know, it's about rights, blah blah blah, just a bit, yeah. yeah? Because yeah, yeah. I I only managed just under two years, and then I played in my band, yeah, as a support act for a German band who was just going up called Birth Control. Right. I played at the university. I was a support act, and they asked me to join. Right. And which meant I have to stop my studies and change my life and everything. And I, they didn't give me much time to think, yeah, but I said, let's do it. Oh, yeah. let's do it, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually had I had a dream, like, where I enjoyed being on stage and having, like, a big audience. Yeah. I like that because, <laughs> I, you know, I, my father, his profession was piano builder, yeah? Great. Yeah, so I was pretty much surrounded by pianos. Yeah, I could. There was always a keyboard. Yeah, and my mother played a bit. Yeah, and it was obligate, obligatory yeah, that I, I learned it, which I did. Luckily, I had a great visionary uh, piano teacher, uh, a lady called Else Katzenstein. I remember her name. Yeah, and and she said. Bernard, the new Beatles, uh, the new Mozart are the Beatles. 
That's a just a rubbish, yeah. You know, <laughs> because when I was like, whatever, that was in the 60s, early 60s. But she discovered straight away that these guys, they write for the whole world and the world will sing their tunes. That she said that from day one, yeah. Really? Yeah, and then I, 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 I slowly got away a bit from the old Johann Sebastian Bach and the Mozart stuff. And I also, I got more interested in knowing about the harmonics and the, the chords. Mm. Mm. I analyzed the, even the Mozart. I wanted to know what chords are there, why, yeah, so, yeah. And how do they, how do they affect your emotions? You know, I think in music, sometimes you have this, you're bipolar. You have the technical, mathematical aspect, and the other is the wonder of creating an emotion for other people, yeah? Which you can, you know, it's all about half a tone difference makes a hell of a difference, yeah? Yes, in yes. a melody, in a chord. And, that's, and then sometimes you know why, and you do it calculated, and sometimes you do without thinking, yeah? And yeah, you, just, yeah. you listen what you do, yeah? I mean, it's a bit like this so-called automatic writing, yeah? You just let it flow. Yeah? That's it. And I think musicians who are not really sure in how to improvise, whatever level they are on there, I, I don't quite understand, yeah? Because no. I think this is where you, you know, you wander around and you find something, yeah? That's it. That's in, in your own musical, melodic, harmonic structure. Well, I mean, every, as a fellow writer, um, everything that you do is a, is multiple choice, isn't it? You're going down. There's so many branching paths in the choices yeah. that you make, not just the instruments that you use. Of course, we've all got access to a million instruments online now and all that stuff. Yeah. But but even you know every note that you play is is a, it could be another one. So I yeah. you know it really is. You you have to just relinquish yourself relinquish yourself to stuff that you don't understand. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, it's also, I know, and I sometimes dream of it. I'm just kind of, you know, at the beginning of, of understanding the whole music yes. kind of universe. Yeah. yeah. And also playing. Yeah? The other day, I, I went in a sort of, I, by pure chance, I bought a, a cheap secondhand vinyl and uh, by Chi Korea. And I listened to it. I said, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, now there, somebody shows you how to play, yeah? Oh, God, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, this is okay, fine, good. I'm so happy you are there, chick, yeah? I just do it extremely different, but thanks, yeah, for your input. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it's great, yeah. So what do you think about virtuosity versus simplicity? I learned a lot about that, living 20 years in England. Being right. around with musicians, you know, like the first band I produced in England was uh, Fashion, yeah? And that was all, you know, it's the importance of being able to learn in public as a band, yeah? Mm -hmm. And to have bigger aims than your actual craftsmanship, yeah? Because yeah. that you learn, yeah? 
And that's an attitude thing which the Germans, the, in the Krautrock, there was a bit there, but so many sniffed on it and they say, you first do your three years course at the Music Academy, yeah? And then we talk again, yeah? Uh, that's so funny because, you know, Germany was, there was East and West Germany. Mm. And the other day I, I got a compilation called uh, Rock from Osten, yeah? So f rock bands from the East Germany. And some of them, they like Amazon Lake and Palma, yeah? Uh -huh. Oh, fucking brilliant. And everything. And then on top of that, some German lyrics, which all have basically a society-orientated message. <laughs> Incredible. The opposite of we like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. say we, I mean, you and me, like, sort of, because I'm... I did my, uh, I learned understanding popular music actually in, uh, I guess, in Great Britain, in London. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I'm kind of the, coming at the whole thing from the opposite direction because I'm not classically trained at all. I mean, everything mm. I learned, the first proper instrument I had was, well, true. that, you know, the Roland System one. The Roland System, nice. Yeah. yeah. So I learned how to produce yeah. and how to compose on that yeah. machine. Yeah. Uh, and and so it's a completely different set of skills, isn't it? Because you yeah. learn timbre, you're learning harmonics, you're learning people yeah. just think, oh, it's plugging it, it's plugging modules in. It's not. It's really establishing that feedback loop of your taste. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's also like directing the frequencies, sort of speaking. Exactly. So yeah. what was your um I've I've got to before we leave the topic of birth control, yeah. I've seen some videos. <laughs> They're just great. Oh my god, it's it's proper kind of crowd rock. Yeah. You know, tell us about tell us because you toured with them for a long time, didn't you? So yeah, I was in the band for six years. There was the band who picked me out of my studies, and and that's how I became. Also, I had my 15 minutes on my own on stage to do wherever I want, yeah? Wow. And, and I was, uh, I listened back to the, the live album, which is one of the really well-selling kind of things, yeah, of those days. And uh, I think it, it, it was great because one had to be bold, otherwise you can't do that, yeah? And... Uh, and it, it was great. It was, I would say, there was my Sturm und Drang. No. <laughs> I could, you could explode and all, everything which goes with it, yeah. Alive on the road. No mobile phones, no emails, nothing. You oh, just God. hit a town, make a big noise and you leave, yeah. <laughs> I'm still doing that shit. It's exhausting yeah. though now, I must say. Do you play live now? Yeah, with Guru Guru. For me, this is like déjà vu. With Guru Guru, we play. Last year, I played nearly forty gigs with Guru Guru. Really? It's always it's sm smaller clubs, 200, 250, and a few festivals. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I know uh, it's. Let's say people could sort of advise at our age, maybe uh, take it easy. But for me, it's the opposite. This gives me absolute energy. Oh, I love all the other stuff. Yeah? yeah, I love that. That's so cool. And, uh, yeah, um, and, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, no. It's just sort of sometimes I really I, I just like to 
support the band by rhythm keyboard playing and sometimes i like to kind of show off and do a yodeling solo yeah kind of you know. as you do i mean <laughs> yeah. we need we need to meet up and do a yodeling duet oh yes i'd, I'd love to i'd love to you you're based in manchester no no london Sheffield. Uh, london. Uh, london 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 of course yeah, yeah. yeah. i've lived Which in london for 40 years now in maryland yeah in, in maryland yeah yeah well, well i mean um, what was going to say? So, so let's move on a little bit. So after birth control, then you decided to go it alone, right? Is that correct? Have I got that right? Yes, I got. I could observe that the magic of the music we were doing was sort of wasn't reaching the audiences like before. Yeah, and yeah. the band wasn't really that. There was this lacking, but in in the, the, the business aspect. A clear thing, the band, no, 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 it didn't really work. Yeah. Plus, what year did they split? What did year did you leave? Seventy-eight. Right. So this is kind of when you know the big earthquake of punk came along, really, isn't it? And started, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tectonic plates started. Moving. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I lived with birth control outside Cologne, just two kilometers down the road was an old farmhouse and there was Mr. Connie Plank. Oh, right. Yeah. The studio. And I actually managed to sometimes go there and hang around, do the tea and study. <laughs> and also then I, in the end, we did two birth control albums with him engineering. Yeah. Right. And, and that's when I, I changed and I also understood like the music making in the studio is actually inter interested me much more. That was for my very first time I was in the studio with birth control, which was 1973. I did already, I discovered the Mellotron and the beauty of, of multi-track recording. This is yeah. that's so I squeezed in a, a three minute song, an instrumental little thing with flutes and piano and strings and choir. And which say, what the heck? But some people like, <laughs> you know, just that's it. I think always. Technology influences what you do. Uh, this yeah, is, of course. You know, that goes for, I think, yeah, with the guitar. Satisfaction would not have happened without that guitar sound, yeah? you know. <laughs> yeah. And what was your first encounter with electronic music then? Uh, or what was your first synth that you came across? I tell you, I have... I never forget when I first time listened to Kraftwerk was 1970 in a car on a journey to Turkey. And there was say, this Ruckzuck. And it was not that electronic, it was more mid echo. Uh, jazz flute, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and then I saw them, I thought, in a way cool, but I thought, what do these guys actually, what, you know, I was there kind of old fashioned. I want to hear a structure and somebody, you know. And, but that was the first, and then afterwards, it was like, what knocked me out was uh, Jean-Michel Chasse, Oxygen. Right. I have to say, because there also was, I always had friends in Paris, and I drove a lot to Paris with the car from Cologne, yeah? And there, I know Oxygen was, originally, there was the music for the opening of a new motorway, yeah? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how Jean-Michel through his father, I guess, he was well connected to to the jobs, yeah. Was he rich? 
I guess so, you know, Quite definitely not. He was definitely not because his father is uh, Maurice Shah, who did the music for Dr. Shivago, etc. He he keeps that low because the father lived long, you know, he left him when he was whatever, two years old, I don't know what, you know, and moved on, yeah, and, and lived in Los Angeles, yeah. But uh, I think... Anyway, Jean-Michel Shah was also one of, I would say, he did the home recording, yeah, already yeah, yeah. In, in 1974 or whatever, yeah. And that, that vision, I always thought, I uh, once had a flat and I had my Hammond there, I always thought I had two tape recorders and I, I took tape to to clue down the chords, yeah, so I can, and then I just do on the draw bars, record it. And and play something on top. That's that's how was my sort of homemade electronic experiences. Right, yeah, right, right. it obviously once I joined birth control out of the window. Yeah, it was all deep purple and uh, uh, Emerson Lake Palmer. Yeah, you yeah. know that was my job. Yeah, to fill that gap. Yeah, and to show off business on the keyboards. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, I don't I don't mind. Yeah, and. Sometimes when I go somewhere, I sit on a piano and I play boogie. Yeah, that obviously is a great communicator. Yeah, and I, that's when I have my time travel. I think I'm in the wild west. You just go to the piano and play, and everybody's happy and drinks more whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> so what is, what was your first synthesizer that you? Mini Moog, very clearly. Right. Mini Moog. Uh, I bought beginning of '74. Right. And I still got it. I got that one still. Now that's monophonic, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what was your first polyphonic sense? Very simple. A polymook. <laughs> You're a mook kind of guy. Then. Yeah. In the end, I had a polymook, a, a mini mook. I had a, a, mook, a small one mook source. And an, another, I had three monophonic. Yeah. And I, you know, and it's a totally ridiculous. The stage was full of keyboards because some of them I used just for one song. Yeah. 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 When you can afford it, you do it. I mean, space-wise. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. But now touring with Guru Guru, it's, it's the main thing is you have to be so economic with your flight case. Yeah. And yeah. Your stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. why I use a lot. I use my MacBook. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I get the sounds via MIDI. Yeah. And soundstage is it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm really kind of. I guess this is pretty old-fashioned that I use. I have. I have Logic. Yeah. I'll just change the tracks and there is kind of, you know, distorted guitar and uh, because I do quite a few guitar sounds, yeah, from, from the yeah, neck. Of yeah, we do. I mean, it's similar to Heaven 17. Um, in a, obviously a bigger kind of setup because we have more people on stage. But um, mm -hmm. So tell us about how you got into, um, how you got into being such a successful remixer then. Where, what was your first ever, how did that happen? How did it come to pass that you got asked in the first place? It's just suddenly I was living in a studio in Cologne, 1980, 81. Yeah. And that's, they got this famous phone call. The phone rings. Hello, this is Simon Potts from Arista Records. Uh, we got a band. I, I use Zeus Beheld. I said, yes. And would you be interested to listen to a cassette of a band from Birmingham? And there was fashion. And, and I got really I went to Birmingham. I liked the band. We hit it off. Okay. And I had, I had like carte blanche to work with them as long as the result. Yeah. And I did various mixes of everything. And in the end, they brought out like a double cassette, one of the normal mixes, one of the other mixes. And I think that was a bit of a sort of, 
a showpiece. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Because you could see a song here, all sequencer, and here much more manual and, and a different arrangement. And that's, and I learned to edit and use the old razor blade in the, uh, you know, with the tapes. Yeah. Yeah, of so, course. Yeah. And, and uh, so that led to, you did the fashion album, correct? Yeah. And that did good. And um, then after, I mean, I'm just looking at the list of the people that you've remixed here. I mean, all sorts. Of, Gina X performance, that sounds interesting. And that was Gina X performance. That, that was, I did, I started that. This is actually a result of me falling in love with a device called the Sennheiser VSM 201 Vokoda. The Vokoda oh, yeah. Sennheiser. Yeah. Do you still have that? Oh, yeah. I got serial number 14. Yeah. But they rare. I, they are rare because they were ridiculously expensive. Oh. I had, I had to borrow money left, right, and center to buy <laughs> one. But luckily, I did my solo thing then. I did, actually, I did already a, a total strange version of Fool on the Hill. It seems. I love it. I yeah. love it. I've heard that this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which. You know, I got through that. I got lots of interest from people from Italy, France, and so on. And I went to the medium, and uh, that's how I met this band or the manager producer of the band called the Rockets. And I did with them in Paris just two weeks Hold after. On. The One we second. Did... Oh dear, dear, dear! Somebody trying to call me. It's okay. Carry on. So I did in 1978, beginning of '79. We did on the road again. Right. Uh, with the vocoder, which I thought while we were doing it, what a stupid idea, yeah? To do <laughs> channel heat songs with the vocoder. <laughs> but I couldn't believe it. It went, it shoot right up, yeah? In Italy and in France, yeah? And it was even, it was for one week in the British charts, yeah? <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> On the road again, yeah? That's, and through that song, Arista and Fashion said their list was, first of all, Kraftwerk, secondly, Giorgio Maroda, and then a few others, and I was one of them, yeah? And so I got the job, because it is. And China X, the first album, was very Vokoda chords and Vokoda, uh, this kind of sliding yeah, yeah. switch. And I think the, the Sennheiser Vokoda and the polymook and the mini mook as a replacement signal for the voice works so great. That was yes. the sound that I didn't use anything else apart from mini mook or polymook. Yeah. Right. Right. As a replacement. And, uh, but it was quite hard work. It, it's noisy, hissy, and you have to compress it. And luckily in the studio in Cologne, uh, uh, the, the, the engineer was real buff. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, he, he knew his machines and we became a team. And this lady who was studying art and was totally not into any kind of jazz or rock, yeah, uh, she sort of worked out a concept yeah, for right. those backing tracks, so to speak. And then we put it together. And that's the first two tracks I did with her are the ones who are still used for films. And this is Nice Mover and No GDM. Those were the tracks from the first cool. album. And we did them really in, yeah, that was, 
She wrote the lyrics upstairs in in the coffee and went on the studio and did it. Yeah, I love it when that shit happens. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I love it. It's the best yeah. way. Yeah, and then you got to work with Dead or Alive as well. That was then, yeah, yeah. And tell us about that experience. I mean, there again was after various producers getting a sort of a mental shock or committing suicide. I don't know what I was sort of. The last in line yeah, from CBS, Muffin would help us, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I hit it off with Pete Burns somehow because his mother was... Yeah, he was a beautiful His guy. mother was German, yeah. And he, I think he needed a bit of like sometimes a bit of like, yo, this Teutonic squareness. He, 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 he indirectly told me, yeah, that's what I have to be sometimes, yeah. And... Yeah. Fine, yeah, because you know when you're in a studio, there's a lot of psychological aspects, yeah. And it was, it was a bit of a pity because while I was doing the album, they throw out Martin Hussey or whatever, you know, uh, because he did nice. He was nice. I thought it was a nice combination, but in the end, I just had the hardcore, which is basically Pete, who is in a way a great, bigger than life sometimes dangerous personality yeah because uh, it can be very very hard yeah but uh his voice was amazing yeah the way he sings yeah he could sing yeah yeah i did i did a um i did a a, a dolby atmos remix recently of uh you spin me right round. yeah yeah and yeah. um good lord the uh the number of of uh tracks was <laughs> Insane! You had no idea when you heard it in the club. It's just like, ding, 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 ding. you just think, yeah. "Well, this is quite a nicely produced thing," and it's doing its job. But you hear all the different parts. Fucking hell! Anyway, it was amazing. Um, so, I, I, unfortunately, I never met Pete when he was um, when he was alive. But um, anyway, and John Fox is a good friend of mine. Oh, really? That's great because John's uh, lovely, isn't he? Yeah. I, I, that was when he had the garden as a pretty new. Place. I worked in there, yeah. yeah. And through Richard Griffiths was yeah. the guy who then formed 10 records. And I had to do with him because they signed Nina, um, Gina performance. And he had the idea you meet John Fox, yeah. And so I worked with John on the album The Garden. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was, it, it, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I, it, it was great looking back at it. It could have been better. Yeah. But uh, I think he, anyway, he, it was pretty much, he has a plan for what he wants to do. So yeah. what, when you say it could have been better, what, how would you have improved it? I think I should have pushed sometimes a bit more extreme, a bit more like go more like you did on Metamatics. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I like that album. Very a bit much. more, a bit more cold. Angular, a bit more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but this is, um, oh God, my God, when he hears that, he, he, he will not like it because I, I think it's you, you, it's your music. So I can't tell you what I think it should be. Yeah? I think yeah. he was in a different place probably. Yeah. With the garden, yeah. wouldn't he? It's yeah. moved into yeah. a different kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I admire that. I admire, I admire artists who can transcend 
Yeah. Oh, don't get stuck in a rut, you know. But yeah. I, I, I was a big fan of Metamatic. I thought it was a yeah. really good album. For me, it was great to work with somebody whose record I had and really adored. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> oh, here we go. Um, Men Without Hats. Uh, yeah. Tell me. I, I did an entire album with them, with those brothers from from uh, Montreal, Montreal, yeah? They were sort of Canadians who love to speak French. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that came, it was a typical record company photogram, New York, who was run, the guy in charge was Derek Schulman. Right. Who used to be the singer of a band I love called Gentle Giant. Oh, Gentle Giant, my yeah. God. He was the singer of Gentle China. Then he said, enough is enough. I'm going to turn over to the other side, yeah? And they had their first hit, Safety Dance, on a small label, uh, which was in the UK, Static Records, yeah? Again, under the umbrella of the Virgin Group, yeah? Yeah. And somehow they asked me, and yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah, we hit it off, but the uh, same time, difficult. They were perfectionists, those, those two brothers, and sometimes... I, Ivan Durschuk, right? Ivan. 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 Yeah. Ivan and his brother, yeah. I had about two or three years ago, popped up a internet contact, yeah. It, it was great, and I think Pop Goes the World was great. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a really it's a very calculated pop song but it was fun yeah i think okay. there's nothing there's everything exactly as it should be yeah and the whole album is actually quite nice good 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 did it do well it did well i didn't i think it did definitely well here in uh in europe mainly in austria funny enough that was really i think in the, in the top 10 or something yeah Right. Apart from that, it did okay. I right. think they never they never managed to get the magic of safety dance again. As, oh, yeah. As, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a hard act to follow, isn't it? It's yeah. Just, yeah. And yeah. that weird and that weird video they did with dancing around with little people and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the the pop goes the world was a bit silly. That was just kindergarten. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> uh, Funnily enough, the last few people I've I've interviewed them all for the podcast, so I know uh, I kind of know all about them. Um, and then I'm very interested in um, in um, let's see what else have we got here. So yeah, you did Transvision Vamp, who yeah. that was a big success, right? That was definitely yeah, okay. and there was also something. Things were just right, and it was nicely grown. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Cool. There was the chemistry in the band. There was a songwriter, Nick. Yeah, and the blonde front person. Yeah, yeah. Who also Wendy. Uh, yeah, learned Wendy. Yeah, great. With in a way with a sort of punky attitude, but uh, a loud voice. Yeah, who wants to say something to humankind? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was uh, quite a, a fantasy object for quite a few men. At that Absolutely. Time. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why, but she, at the same time, she was like still quite romantic and she believed in the concept of love, yeah, and kind of 
I had many discussions for me, sort of a bit of an older guy with, with this beautiful girl. But it was great. Our main thing was to, to get the vocals and the songs. Yeah? Yes, yes. I think I like all of them. I like the stuff we did. And again, there was this MCA records. They gave us, me, time. There was not sort of, yeah. And and I thought, oh, boy, that is perfect. This mix, oh, we won't get it any better. And they said, uh, just... And then I go to Sound West and we mix another five days, yeah? And obviously changed a few nips here. Oh, and my then. God. And it got game. better. Yes, it got better, yeah? <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So um, do you know Trevor at all? From Just only from saying oh, hi. Right. Oh, right. I obviously totally appreciate his work. And yeah. I think he's a cool dude and I would have loved to talk a bit more, yeah? But, um, uh, exactly. I, I guess yeah, there's a certain certain similarity in your styles, I think, which is yeah? okay. why I mentioned it. Uh, because we have a mutual friend, person, which is Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Because I know I had this, there was, uh, I can't remember, there was a, a rental company in London, which were in the, uh, which, which were down in, in the, the wharf. Yeah. In the East it audio effects, no? Nine, Tiny Evans was the other, or the Tiny was the guy who who run it, yeah. And they also rented out a um, a Fairlight. All right, yeah. And I did rent the Fairlight, and I asked uh, for JJ, who we had some mutual friend, and JJ did sort of program. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, and it was great. And JJ the, Sexley, right? Yes. Which I that I saw on looking through yeah, your yeah. history, yeah, <laughs> that was really funny, very funny, yeah. And he's, he's a funny so, guy. He's a lovely he's so guy. British, yeah. I guess you know he spends a lot of time on the cricket ground, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, just to go back, and then I was sometimes I had this Fairlight standing in my basement in London Earl's Court for weeks because when they rented it, I got a call, they can't pick it up. Apart from that, it's parked by me, and. I love the idea, but I got at the beginning, it's so difficult. It was before page R was, it was so hard. Yeah. And I asked who could help me. And then it turns out just down the road from Earl's Court, there was the Snake Ranch and um, Hans Zimmer. Right. And it, it was great. He came over to my basement and showed me a few tricks on the old Fairlight. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. That's, that's I uh, I think Hans great, and that's why I applaud him and I enjoy his bloody world. Oh, world, dom world domination, yes. Yeah, and also he fulfilled his dream to become a real composer. That's all. That is great. Great do stuff. Do you stay in touch with him? Not, not really. I think I once tried, but it's it's so hard. Yeah, and and also I think it's you know probably it's if if I go to Los Angeles to collect some award, yeah. I might just pop in, yeah. Say hello, Hans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we, all, and we all go and pick our Grammys over. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen for me anyway. Um, <laughs> well, so, you, you uh, never uh, know. You never know. Oh, you never know. I, the other day I thought, you know, in Germany with all this palaver at the moment, you know, they go hundreds of thousand people go on the street and 
d demonstrate against fascism. That's why I thought we don't need this fascist yeah. thing. Yeah. Maybe I should do a remix just I for think so. I think a bit so. of accordion and boom, 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 boom. Well, that, well, that <laughs> it with the funk. I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I know it's terrible. Well, let's not go into world affairs. It's too depressing. Um, yeah, exactly. I agree. But still, uh, sometimes you can't run away. It's there. Well, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm an activist anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm out. I. Everybody knows my, my opinions on things, uh, and I, I walk the walk. You know, I don't, I don't just talk the talk. But um, anyway, Pete Wiley. He's another good mate. Wow. He, I, I love Pete. Don't you? He's crazy. I love Pete as much as I love Liverpool. He, for me, is the Liverpoolian, yeah? Oh, yeah? It was so great. It was so great. He always said, I don't like Germans. They bombed <laughs> our fish and sheep shop. <laughs> that's, 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 when I met him first time, he had a Hitler mustache. <laughs> and he took the mickey so much. And he, he loved, he immediately understood that I am, I'm a guy who can make jokes beyond the border. Yeah? It's totally yeah. fine with me. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that was great, yeah. You know, um, he's been on tour with us. In fact, he supported Heaven 17 on a recent tour. Yeah. And um, we get on really well. We love him. And uh, But he said, he came up to me, and um, this was about a year, two years ago, actually, and said, but... I can't do the accent, but he said, Martin, Martin, I finally got to the bottom of it. I've been diagnosed with ADHD and I'm on, you know, I, I, I'm getting medication now. I'm going, well, that explains quite a lot, Pete, doesn't it? <laughs> is, is he well? Yeah, he's okay. He's, yeah. he's actually he's having a bit of a revival at the moment. And oh, that's he, good. Yeah, it's good. And um, yeah, I keep, we keep in touch. He's a lovely guy. If, if, if you remember, give him my, Heartful regards. I oh, remember no. him. He is, and I, anyway, I think I, I'm not a football fan, but I observe Jurgen Klopp. Yes, being like becoming a Liverpoolian hero, and yes. I say, "Oh, Jurgen Klopp, how do I envy you? Huh? It's 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 the best town, yeah. yeah to become town. To have one day some kind of place called the Jurgen Klopp Sporting Arena or something. <laughs> and I think, Jurgen Klopp, what a guy you are. <laughs> he just uh, announced that he's going to stop at the end of the season. I know, I know. I know. But, um, they'll build a statue for him. Got yeah, he's, he's, I'm so pleased yeah, because I, you know, I also liked him in Dortmund. He was the only one who put Dortmund on top. Yeah, once right. again. Is that your is that your local team? No, my local team is a total underdog team. Yeah, which manages to always hang around in the top ten. Yeah, of right. of of the league. Yeah, which right. is a pure miracle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's called it's Freiburg. Yeah. Freiburg, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. Next is um, Nina Hagen. Now I've met Nina a couple of times. She's a very interesting woman indeed and um you did you actually get to work with her or just to, was it a remix or no 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 it i did i got the honor i once said when i was in england there are two people in germany i'd like to work with nina hagen and udo lindenberg yeah those right. two and i got a remix to do with udo lindenberg i remember it was about whatever 88 yeah and I did it and he really liked it. 
and I did another remix, and then uh, let's do an album, yeah? Yeah, from Phonogram. And he had one song where Nina was a guest singer. By the way, a song, I think, if you ever had a chance to listen to it, it's called Fopo. V-O-P-O, Fopo. Fopo. Which nicely rhymes to Popo, yeah? yeah but what, what does it mean? Volkspolizist. It's the it's it's an a soldier from the East German uh, army. Yeah, yeah. Which we did not take very serious and make jokes about yeah the West Germans obviously yeah. 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 And th the lyrics say, "You wonderful Popo with your wonderful Popo." Yeah. <laughs> and Nina sang uh, a middle eight or something. Yeah, that's how I met Nina, and that was from Udo. It was just. Brilliant, yeah. And I had the, the honor to produce it, and I think it was great. It worked. It was, it gave Udo a night boom. The first ever time he was not recording in Germany, yeah. And he was doing some stuff in English, yeah. And that's how I met Nina. And Nina was then managed by and looked after a guy who also managed Yellow, Louis Spielmann. A Swiss guy. And and he said, you know, he met the guy from Udo, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, let's try Nina, we sign them to Universal and make a proper album. Yeah. Because she was then doing all things underground, this and that, yeah. Punk, because Nina is, has a, a punk soul, yeah. I mean, it, uh, I did two albums with her for Phonogram, yeah. For Phonogram, which also I wrote some songs with her, yeah. And uh, oh, let's say I developed some of her ideas. I offered her two songs, yeah, which we did. And we did two classical tracks, make them a bit more hip-hop, already before the hip-hop thing was called hip-hop. And uh, it was real. I worked a lot with her. That's all in my studio in London. I, you know, because I bought the studio of uh, Chess Schenkel in uh, in London, in uh, Kensal Road, yeah? Oh, which was yeah. East Coast Studios, yeah? Yeah. So Kensal Road, did you say? Yes. Yes. Oh right. So that's near Mute, isn't it? And uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and that's where I also worked with Nina and 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 Photogram too. This we had time, but on a great day, Nina is just you know unbeatable. Yeah. On a bad day, it's hard. Yeah. You know, on all aspects. <laughs> uh, those two albums, you know, they had, and we did also we did a, a worldwide campaign for this, for the 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 Swiss, is it Swiss again? Yeah, that was from Louis Spielmann, I'm sure. For for Swatch, we did a big campaign for Swatch where we did the music. Yeah, and I remember I worked there together because I wanted a good DJ, and I had the guy called Cesare Marcha from Stereo MCs. And, and that's also in, by the way, with Udo first time, I brought in scratches and stuff. And that was sort of not really heard before, yeah, in this environment, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so that neatly brings us to your, you do a lot of advertising stuff, or do you do, you do any more now? Or was that just... I did more when I was in the UK. Right. Yeah. But... Uh, I like it, but in a way you have to fight for it because the advertisement industry too is going through a more like a squeeze, yeah, oh, yeah. I find. And uh, so if there is something, I love to do it, yeah, but I didn't do that much in the last few 
I had a, I mean, I did a little bit of it, and I had a bit of a problem because I, uh, it struck me that the um, a lot of the people who were making the decisions. Um, I mean, I'm not a purist. I'm not going. My work is genius, and you, you know, you stay mm-hmm. over there. I'm going. I'm a very collaborative person, and uh, but I just didn't really respect the opinions of a lot of the people who were passing. You know, I, I and and so I ended up going. I tell you. I'd rather not bother. I'll just do. If, I think, to be honest, I did it for the money mainly, but yeah. sometimes there was a challenge. I once did one for Audi, and it was great because it was like the, it was the brakes protect you to die, and so there was an angel in it. And I thought it's great. I mean, I, I did. I wrote a whole soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I did, you know, for some insurance company and so on, and there, yeah, had also there had a musical partner I worked with, uh, a Chapman stick player, yes, called Jim Lumpy, who used to be also in the band of Martin John Martin, yeah. All right. He's an American guy, but uh, this this Jim Lumpy, but we became friends, and we, we he was the only guy who always did a bit of music and jammed in the studio. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and you're into sound design as well. I mean, I'm I've really last twenty years done a lot of immersive sound design for various people, some commercial, some artistic, and stuff. So That's, tell us about your sound design work. I have, I mean, that album I mentioned earlier on called. The logic of coincidence. That's me being a bit more electronic and sound design. I generally use it as an element for all kind of production. Right. Even on the this new Guru Guru album, which I kind of produced for the band. Even if I said I actually just want to play keyboards, you but in the end I had to do it, yeah, because I couldn't see if it's not happening, so I had to do it. Yeah. And there also sometimes sound design is a big word. And it starts with just helping here and there to fill the gaps. Yes, yeah? of course. And do you do um, do you do exhibition work or you know like museum exhibitions or? I used to do quite a lot of that. I also made soundtracks with uh, for performance artists. Oh, yeah. great! Yeah, I love the look on. For those of you who are listening, you can't see the look on his face. It was like performance artist. No, I know you didn't mean it. It was just a very funny moment. Yeah. No, I just can see here because, you know, we are, as you know, close to Basel. And Basel is, there is the art Basel once a year. It's oh, yeah, the, one place in the world. Yeah. And that's why. It's even, enormous, isn't it? Yeah. It's enormous. Even in, in Cologne already, I did strange music for strange things. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. Have that's you ever put any of that out? Not really, but I'm I'm toying with the idea because I have moved studios this year in April. Uh, no, last year, yeah, in April. I had to get out of my old place where I was in like 15 years and I have a new place now, which I'm extremely happy with. So I had to go through these boxes of yeah. stuff. And I said, oh, let's have a listen. And I said, it, it's like attack time. Stuff I did partly in Cologne, I did in London. And I thought, wow. Yeah, I want to maybe put it together somehow. I think you should. But I'll tell you, uh, I'll give you an example of what, what I did with my company, Illustrious, that does the installation work. Um, after 10 years, it's 20 years old now, but after 10 years, I did a um, a 10 CD box set. Mm-hmm. 
special edition with mute and uh you know it was you know it was like 80 quid or something but it was a beautiful art you know piece of artwork and uh, he sold out in like a month uh, 80 quid a a pop you know so that's something to consider you know how many copies did you print Uh, it's only a thousand it's limited yeah Yeah, but that's okay money isn't it yeah nowadays you know you still recommend it definitely that's good. Do you see physical, physical product though? Yeah, you, that's it. You, if you put it in the net, it's kind of just destroyed away. Yeah, that's it. And I, I know that. And that's why you need a bit of a nice artwork. You need some eye people to help you to to, yeah. to make it look good. Yeah, right. you know. That's, I, I, I must tell you a story. It's very funny. When I was looking into different packaging things for the um, for the box set. I was sent a throbbing gristle uh, box set of their live uh, their live performances. Yeah. It was 24 hours of throbbing gristle. That could be quite exhausting, I imagine. Pro- probably <laughs> drive you insane, I think. Yeah, I was the throbbing gristle, and it was in this beautiful red velvet lined box. Yeah. Box. Yeah. And in the middle, it was just a a, a pen drive. Uh, you know, like a, a thing, you, and I just thought that's genius. Yeah. You know? And uh, basically, you're selling the artifact, and what's on yeah. it? They probably never listened to it, right? Yeah, but they just know they got it. Yeah. It's I mean, it's a bit it. Yeah. It's, 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 then it's more like a sort of a connoisseur thing. You have it. Yeah. And if you want, you can listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> probably not. Anyway, um, are you still, just quickly, are you still in touch with uh, Daniel Miller? I am, yes. Yeah. Is, is he it, still active or did he, I heard he kind of stepped down a bit or wants to? I don't know. He, he, he goes through different periods. I mean, he's quite yeah. hard to contact. I'm, yeah. I've, I've sent him emails a few times, but uh, you never know with Daniel. Yeah. I mean, he's been yeah. on the podcast. Um, now, what else have we got left here? Um you're right into vocal processing, aren't you, of all kinds. I mean, not just yeah. the vocoder. I think yeah. it's quite important because, I mean, my view is that the voice is the most appealing instrument that you can record. And and uh, when I produce tracks, it's very much like um, the music is a framework for that, if it's a vocal track, of course. Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your view on this, do you think? I think so too, because for me, it's like, Music and words. I also like poetry in a, in, a, in a more abstract way. You know, I'm not reading poems or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe I do sometimes. <laughs> Inspiration. That's but, another album. <laughs> good one. <laughs> but uh, that's why I was so happy that a guy like Arthur Brown immediately took my lyrics seriously. And then at least, yes, my living in England for 20 years helped me to have my own writing on the with with this wonderful language yeah because the english is great the german is not bad either but for me english as also the number one language on this planet uh gives you so many different layers to express yourself yeah i mean this when you record it you can sometimes just by like four words you can do a whole concept album yeah you know See Laurie Anderson and stuff like that. That always impressed me. Yeah, stuff. yeah exactly. Yeah, and uh, and sometimes even if you do instrumental music, if it's got a good title, 
Yeah? If you give your vision to it in words, and it can be a long thing. Uh, me, last time on my bad experience in a Chinese restaurant, yeah? And then, <laughs> forever, something like this, yeah? <laughs> and, you, and then you have a bit of Chinese music, and then people, ah, oh, I understand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, I don't know if you know about this, but there's a website called artbollocks.com. <laughs> I have to write this down. Oh no, you've got to go and have a look. <laughs> and it will oh, write no. it will write you a random artist statement. <laughs> and if you don't like it, it says, Do you like this one? Shall I do another one? And then it's like it's, it's fucking hilarious. And it's so much like a lot of the statements that you get in like the Tate or yeah, yeah. different artists, what they're about, you know. That sounds like artificial intelligence kind yeah. of. Thing, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, a very yeah. kind of basic kind, but it's very funny, very funny. Artbollocks.com, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Um, we're nearly at the end. Uh, but first of all, I have to ask you some uh, very trivial, uh, trivial, not trivial questions. So what's your favourite film? Oh, that's a difficult one, yeah. I know. Oh, just whatever pops into your mind. I, I, I'm a... Total fan of Stanley Kubrick, but who isn't? Yeah. And out of his films, I guess this is a mixture of Shining and Eyes Wide Shut and, and others. Yeah. And I like Polanski. Yeah. Yeah. Polanski. Yeah. Polanski. Uh, did he do Repulsion? Yes. There was one of his. That is still the scariest film, apart from The Exorcist, yeah. that I've ever seen. Yeah. Terrifying. And I like the French funny films. The, right. The, they have the, the, the cinema noir, yeah, those dark films. But there is, there's only on this planet one Louis Dauphiné, yeah. There's only one, yeah. He's a, a really funny guy, yeah. And obviously, no, uh, the one with Peter Sellers, uh, How I Learned to Love the Bomb or whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, Dr. Strangelove, yeah. But that's I think that's definitely one of my favorite ones. Yeah, there's a uh, a stage version of that coming to London. Oh, really? With Steve Coogan playing uh, Peter Sellers' part in that, which will be fantastic. I, I have to add something. One of my, which I can't really say too often, but one of my really all-time favorites is by uh, the producers. By, oh, brilliant! Yeah. Uh, Mel Brooks, yeah. Mel Brooks, exactly. That is, I I met this film in London, and it was for me clear. Even now, my German friends do not understand the humor, <laughs> because that is a big thing. The difference between the Germans have like <laughs> built into their genes, they have a stopper, yeah, which yeah. makes you, oh, not a stopper, the opposite, which makes you laugh too easily as rubbish, yeah. You shouldn't laugh about that. It's not funny. Yeah? When I see German stand-up comedians, I, I get a crisis. I thought I changed the program, yeah? No, I can't. <laughs> okay, fine. But let's let's keep that. I don't want to bash too much on you. I, I, I have to tell you a, a story. I went to see a friend of mine used to be a producer in on Broadway in New York, uh, Lee Bloomer, and she's passed away now. But um, she said, oh, you've got to come to... Um, she was she was one of the original producers of Woodstock. Wow, cool! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, she said, um, "You've got to come and see 
the opening of the stage version of the producers on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. So it was the first night. Did you go there? Yeah. Because and, I, I, yeah, okay. You. I, I was going to say, and I was sat there, and she's Jewish, of course. Yeah. So it's like, and the the whole audience is, you know, they've got a rough idea of what's go, what's going on. And I'm going, they, they're doing springtime, poor Hitler yeah. in Germany, you know, like, and they do the big. Um, on in the stage, have you seen the stage version? I've seen it in London. I loved it. The swastika dance. Oh, fuck you that remember? One. I was exactly. I, I couldn't believe it. With the it's mirror, with action. the mirror. Yes, all. yes. Well, that what that <laughs> happened on the first night in Broadway. I looked round the audience, and nobody was laughing. It was all <laughs> they were all like this. And that's like in the film, yeah. <laughs> 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 Great. You know, I you know what happened to me? I went, I think it's two years ago. I went because everybody said you have to watch it. I went to see the Book of Mormons. Oh, it's brilliant. I was shocked. It's politically so 300% incorrect, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it's And brilliant. A whole, they were all laughing, yeah? You know? I've seen it four <laughs> or five times now. Actually. Oh, yeah, okay. That's also something in Germany. They didn't even bother to... Put it out. Really? As, as, no, I have not heard about it. Yeah. Maybe in Berlin, but maybe it flopped. Exactly like they tried very hard to put the producers on in Berlin. Maybe you know? they just think the uh, the humor wouldn't translate at all. No, and the Germans, they are like brand marked and scarred from the bad stuff the Nazis have been doing in the 30s and 40s. That is just a fact. We have that. We stop right here, but that's all the political thing now again with the problems in the Gaza Streifen. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah Germans yeah. are not; a, they have to have a certain attitude because of the history. Yeah. Um, okay, what's your favorite TV show? Oh, definitely a British show. Don't tell me, I bet it's Faulty Towers. <laughs> no. I But it's Holy Tours, it's the fast show. It's oh god, I got I got them all here, the DVDs. They are, my, oh, they are great, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely I got for Monty Python, I got everything, yeah. And uh, it's not that I watch it sort of on a regular basis. I know, no, no. But there were there were other ones also even absolutely fabulous I liked, yeah. And some more uh, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, favorite book. <laughs> I know it's tough. I would say Logic by Immanuel Kant. I've never, I've never, never read that. <laughs> it's, it's, it, this is more of a compilation, but oh, I like Paul Auster, the New York trilogy. I like Haruki Murakami. Yes. Uh, The shooting the general or something, yeah, oh, great, great stuff. Also Murakami for me is, boah, love it, yeah? yeah. And also there, there, for example, I have the English and the German translation of his Japanese book. It's you can't read it in German. It's 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 stale water. You have to read it in English. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very common that translations don't work because so much of At the very top level of beautiful novel uh, fiction writing yeah. is about the onomatopoeia, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah. uh, and then the onomatopoeia disappears, yeah. gets translated. So anyway, that's yeah. why I think about. I've read quite. I, I, I 
read a bit of Italian because I used to live in Venice for decades. And uh, um, I used to love um, the great Italian uh, Primo Levi and uh, uh, yeah. the guy. Anyway, I used to try and read them in Italian because the 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 florid nature of the uh, uh, of the uh, uh, of the language is completely different in italian it's mm. like singing the, yeah. when you translate it into english and it all kind of evaporates the be- the magic yeah. the same goes for me for french i mean I mean, because i'm a neighbor here and i learned french all my school days and i was in a band i i enjoy sometimes also reading french young yeah. and old stuff exactly Yeah, anything, yeah. I mean, it's not that I do this a lot, but when then I sometimes say, no, I'd like to read the original. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite record producer? I think, give it to Quincy Jones, yeah? Yes. Yeah. This yes. is shooting from the hip, yeah? And also number two, definitely, Hi Trevor. I love the yeah, work. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say they're my top two as well. Yeah, okay, okay. Um. Favorite musical act, I suppose, or comp- mu- musical, musical act, or composer, or super difficult. It's funny. I'm, you know, in my sort of off time, I listen to Pat Metheny, <laughs> the Pat Metheny group. I like Lyle Mays on keyboards. Yeah. I like Weather Report. Oh yeah, yeah beautiful. And I like the, which I mentioned before, Chi Korea. He's, he's a master. I say, chick, you are great. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I don't even want to mention Keith Jarrett. Well, those are the guys who like, you can see I come from keyboards, yeah? Same yeah. time, Pat Metheny is a guitar player who I like his melodies, yeah? Yeah, and, and this music to me always has a bit of like, you know, it, it makes me feel good, yeah? yeah there's so, a little bit of magic involved, right? I, that's what I think. It's kind yeah, of- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, If you'd not been, I know it's hard to imagine, yeah. if you'd not been a professional musician, what do you think your alternative career might have been? It sounds funny, but now thinking about it, it could have, I could have struggled through and become a lawyer or something. Right. So the chemistry of humans, yeah, which to deal with law, like what is, you know, and it's, I think it's quite a kind of, you need a bit of common sense and you you got to be grounded and you got to you do the right decision yeah, yeah. right could right. well be because i definitely would i'm not good as a craftsman yeah i would definitely be the worst car <laughs> <laughs> mechanic don't forget all that yeah <laughs> me too me too um, which piece of music makes you cry or well you know not literally used to be i mean which really took me over was Rachmaninoff's piano concert number two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. And I also remember when I first time heard Eleanor Rigby in Scotland in a, in a, you know, I was just sitting there and it was, it didn't really, but it was mere tears of joy yeah, because I enjoyed so much. Ah, look at all the lonely people are fucking brilliant. Yeah. You know, that is great. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. Okay. And finally, the final question. Um, I think I know what the answer is, but tell me anyway. What's your favorite synthesizer? 
I guess, yeah. Oh, it used to be the really MOOC. Now it's, I like the MOOC sub, yeah, because he can nicely program. And I like the Nordlead Electro, which is like a poly MOOC. You play chords and you can, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. And nobody's yeah. ever said that one. Yeah. I think Nordlead anyway is good, 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 good company, yeah. Yeah, they are. They, they, it's for live performance in particular. It's, yeah, it's absolute. I mean, when I play now with this is, I only have like, I have a, a, a Karma, which has all the kind of the, the Hammond, the Wurlitzer, the, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But when it goes to a thing, obviously I got the, 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 the MIDI stuff, but I love them playing the analog, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and you can I know which knobs to use here. Yeah, the analog, analog is hard to beat, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Zeus, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. I um, I think it's great. Okay. No, I, mean, I enjoyed that. I yeah. do up, up as well. <laughs> yeah, just ask something on or off the record. How impossible would it be for me to do a remix of we don't need that fascist cool thing i will look into the what stems i have yeah i, I would love you to personally i would i just think that it's not a bad moment to do that and uh, it's, it's so funny that we you uh, so again, the logic of coincidence. Yeah, I, I, I believe in all that stuff personally. Yeah. I believe in serendipity. Do you still live in London? I live in Marylebone, yeah. I mean, okay, lovely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I let me look into it, and I will yeah. email you. And okay. Fingers crossed, we can get something together. That'd be fantastic. I would put uh, my, you know. Oh, thanks I so would put much. something into it, yeah. Thanks so much. I'm always okay. to do remixes for people, so it's nice when somebody else does it for a change for a yeah. film. It'd be great. All right, it was well, nice meeting you. Yeah, you too, yeah. man. I can't believe we never bumped into each other in the 80s, but you never know. Yeah. All right, man. Okay, take care. Have a good day. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye. I never bumped into him in London back in the day. But, um, yeah, been listening to a lot of his stuff, and it all sounds pretty good to me. Um, very uh, indicative of that kind of production style of the 80s that we were all involved in. And he's still doing stuff today, and um, he's a bundle of energy and a bundle of joy. Um, hope everybody's doing well. If you want to email me, electronicallymartin at gmail.com, or if you want to help keep this podcast going patreon.com stroke electronically hours uh where for the price of a cup of tea or coffee or a pint of beer per month you can help keep this podcast free and independent and advert free uh, all those three things i think are vitally important and a lot of great podcasts that i've been listening to for a long while have become absolutely inundated with ads and it's kind of spoilt it for me and I've stopped listening to a lot of them but mine will never be doing that you'll be glad to hear another great guest for you next week see you then bye
Yannick Schaefer is next. Hi, Martin. I have a potent suggestion for podcast alumni potential guest idea. Right on track, venerable avant electronic member of iconic plunderphonic band. What's plunderphonic? Do you know what plunderphonic no is? No idea. Negative Land, Mark Hosler. He's fully involved with copyright versus copyleft musics. <laughs> Has ace stories about battles with their U2 release. I think Plunderphonic is basically just nicking people's samples. and Right. And... Anyway. Uh... We should get Enya on. <laughs> Funny, <isn't it? laughs> That'd be cool. Um... Yes, thank you. Anyway, anyway. Yannick. Yeah, thanks. Um, have you got a Miles Matisse Patreon one, or is that me? That would be you. Oh, no, no, that's right. No, no, forget that. Bradley Sims on the 1st of the 9th. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Sims. Hello, Martin. Finally, Ricky Wilde. I've been hopeful that at some point you would do a chat with him for some time. I truly believe he is a talent much underrated who needs more recognition in my book. It was a great listen, and he seems unsurprisingly like a lovely guy. Thanks for this one. Definitely in my top three, along with Kim Wilde and Vince Clark. Thanks, Bradley. Thank you. I I, I agree with you, by the way. Um, Matt Lander. Um, hello, Martin. Felt compelled to write a short note. Always followed the band's journey. I was present to watch build the first HEM17 gig at the Waterfront in Norwich, 1997. And a back at LCR in November. I loved, and that's already gone now, of course. Also loved the BEF Hem 17 tour that came to Bury St. Edmunds. Uh, blah, blah, blah. To the point, your podcast channel somehow passed me by. The real point, sustenance is the true word. My life has gone through some big changes. Uh, changes, and they, I think he, what he's saying is the philosophy of what uh, the podcast has helped him through some difficult times. Your conversations with Nick Haywood and Andy Partridge being a couple that have really hit home, Nick in particular. That's all. I wish you all the very best. Matt Lander. Thank you, Matt. Nice. Thanks, Matt. I've got one from Ian Beresford here. Hi, Martin. Somewhat ashamedly, I only discovered your podcast in recent weeks when Googling for pods with Stuart McConey in them, as I like his humour. I've since gone back and listened to about 20 episodes so far, and they're all enjoyable. Uh, with the talk in the Andy Partridge one about girly magazines having me in hysterics. Chatting on a peer-to-peer level is always much more enlightening than from a normal journalist. Agreed. I've also subsequently purchased your book and the Richard Evans one, and I'm currently working through them. Thanks again, Ian in Berwick-upon-Tweed. Thought for the day, it's hard to leave when you can't find the door. Ooh, nice. Oh, it's so profound. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. 